I'd like to put my face in there. Right in there. Tartar sauce. My hips are cold. Tartar sauce. That's when you know it's cold. I like eating pussy. Tartar sauce. A lot of guys don't. Well, maybe they do. Maybe that's just black guys. Tartar sauce. What happened to the guy who was trying to go around the world in a balloon? Did he make it? I should put some espionage or stolen plutonium in my novel. Tartar sauce. Spice it up. Neil Young. Fuck, it's cold. Neil Young. What, why am I thinking about Neil Young? Neil Diamond. Neil. There's not a lot of famous Neils. Is this Wednesday? I wish I had two dicks. I thought the whole family was going to learn Spanish together this year. That never really happened. I haven't had a Spanish omelet in a long time. There we go. Anything else? No. Where is the tartar sauce? They were out. They apologized. They were cool about it. They were out? They were out. They were out of tartar sauce. Podcast. My name is Michael Govier, Travis Roy, Eric Branstrom, and we've got a special guest today. We're going to do the family man. Nope, just kidding. It's called the weather man. Don't get the two mixed up because I will for the rest of my life. 2005 film, Does It Hold Up, featuring Nicolas Cage. And speaking of Nicolas Cage, today's guest is a big fan of Nicolas Cage. In fact, he's such a fan. He's dedicated an entire podcast to him. The Cage Rage Podcast with Daryl Edge. Welcome to the show, Daryl. Thanks for joining us on this Saturday afternoon over here. Thank you so much for having me, everyone. Uh, Saturday evening over here, dreary outside, but lovely warm inside with such wonderful company. Thank you very much <laughs> for having me. Awesome, man. I, I'm, I'm glad that uh, we can make this uh, continue the journey to cage nirvana and uh, a different um, venue for you here. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a pleasure. There's always so much room on the journey to true cage nirvana. Um, surprisingly, not a lot of people want to get on that train. <laughs> I, I don't know why. Uh, I am happily jumping, it. jumping onto that train. <laughs> you could be the conductor and I am on board. Well, it's kind of less of a train and more of a red box these days, but oh, that might be an American reference. I love references. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make some movie ones, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Red box. I think red box is universal, Eric. Is it? All right. I think so. Pizza fuck out of me. Oh, they're, in, they're in Singapore. 
I thought you took, took like a pizza or something. No. <laughs> like a box with movies in it at the grocery store. You can Is that like, like a, a movie? A director video comment? Is that what you're Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just, just right. to clarify. Right. <laughs> no. Wait, wasn't uh, Nick Cage was in something recently? Yeah, I saw Pig in theaters and yeah. I was oh, very yeah. pleased to. Yeah. yeah. Pig. He, okay. he still has his moments. Uh, yeah. I, I don't get it. I think all the Cage love has jumped the shark. It's definitely gone too far in my opinion daryl oh boy uh, but I, no disrespect to you i just think at a certain point uh he's become too trendy i don't like trends you know i want to be a contrarian so yeah, now bill, bill murray situation can't like him. yeah it's a bill murray situation uh, this is why i needed you on here oh, daryl I'm, I'm embarrassed for you quite honestly <laughs> thank you can't wait to be on your podcast where it'll be a safe space for us <laughs> it's a cage safe environment but you know what? We're here to here well, to talk to the disbelievers as well, the naysayers, the right. we'll make some, well. Make some converts today. Uh, so, uh, what is the one thing beyond Nick Cage? It, what it defines your podcast? So, if people never heard the Cage Rage podcast and they want to check it out, obviously it's about Nick Cage. You do a movie per show, right, with a, a featured guest? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, it's basically started from um, well, you know, where all podcasts start the self-pervasive thought that we need more white people in the stratosphere to talk about <laughs> movies and i was like that, i need i can add to that i can definitely i have a, I have a yes. niche there um but also i find nicholas cage to be fascinating yeah um i think he's so interesting and i think and i've become that person in my my, my uh friend group um travis i wonder if you're the same where you've become so. The Nicholas Cage guy, um, <laughs> and you get to that point where they're like, "Do you is this is this ironic? Is this a joke? Are you ill? Do you need help? <laughs> Blink three times if you need me to intervene." Um, but just looking into it, and this was over the course of lockdown last year when I had some um, some free time. I was like, oh, "Nicholas Cage has so many films and so many I've never heard of," and. Um, I just thought it'd be a good idea just to get to the bottom of this, maybe learn a little bit more about the man, um, because everyone's got an opinion on him, sort of whether you um, you like him or you hate him. Um, everyone's I feel like everyone's seen a Nick Cage movie, or at least knows of a Nick Cage movie. He's the most bizarre A-lister out there, and I want <laughs> to get to the bottom of this. So trying to go from cage film one to the recent day um present day and try and find out maybe a little bit more about him and all these things i'm learning in the in the meantime like he you know these england-centric facts as well he came over here a few years ago to try and find the holy grail he has a castle here <laughs> yeah, yeah. um he turned on the christmas lights at a celebration in a city called bath oh. about 10 years ago cool. which i thought was a hoax um <laughs> he's like he's a he's a huge anglophile um a guest out of my podcast a while ago, a comedian called Andrew O'Neill, they were explaining that he turned up in like an occult bookstore and just bought, bought um, a skull necklace and hundreds and hundreds of pounds worth of like leather-bound spooky books. I believe um, it. Yeah. And this is the thing about Nicolas Cage as well. Like one of those things I could have said could have been a lie, but because it's Nicolas Cage, you're like, yeah, he probably did do that. <laughs> um, um, also on your podcast, you refer to him as the, the Golden Hog of Hollywood. Yeah, where, yes, where did this nickname come from? I, I, I'm, I'm picking up on it. I've started calling him that sometimes too, but I don't even know why, just because I listen to your podcast. Um, it's something I'm, I'm trying to get out there um, to <laughs> limited success. 
I'll be honest. I hope the answer is as good for you as it's been. I did just made it up one day because <laughs> I was like, you know what? We we can talk about your cash cows. Um, we can talk about like your bankable stars and whatever nicknames you want to give them. But in a similar vein, if you've seen it's always sunny, there's an episode where Dennis is like, like I am a god, I am a golden god. I was like, well, I can't use golden god because it's taken. But I'm sure his penis is solid gold, the golden <laughs> hog. All right, it. I'm glad. I was hoping we would talk about the dick before we got hit that 10 minute benchmark. No, 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 no. <laughs> not, not, on my, not on my watch. Not on my watch. Oh, well, it's a pleasure to have Daryl aboard here. He loves Nicholas Cage, and you know if that's his thing, I respect that. And it's also a really well done podcast. All jokes aside, I did check it out. Uh, it's very well organized. It's not shitty audio. It's rock solid. And this guy has something to offer. Daryl Edge has something to offer you. So please check out the Cage Rage podcast on all standard podcast platforms. Having said that, before we get to our main event, we're going to move into quarantine viewing picks. Now, usually we have a week in advance for our quarantine viewing picks. Uh, we did a show less than 48 hours ago. So this is a little bit of a different spin for us on this. But that doesn't mean we can't offer you guys some recommendations. So, Travis, take the lead on this. Where are you going with it? Well, I watched one movie in the last 20, 48 hours, and it was Weatherman this morning. Um, but I have been watching, um, you know, we typically talk about film on the Cinema 9 podcast, but I have been watching some TV shows of late, kind of um, getting back into TV, which I just really stopped watching TV for like a year or two. But, um, you know, I'm always watching Kids in the Hall. That's always just kind of in the background, always watching Kids in the Hall. Um, I, uh, we've, we've talked about the morning show enough on, on this show, but I'm still watching the morning show. And I do this thing, like sometimes when, um, a show that I like it wraps up and I don't want it to be over yet. And like, I'll just like hold off on the last season or two. I'm still, there's like six episodes of Bojack Horseman that I'm still just sitting on. Like someday I'll let this be over for me. Um, so I started finally watching the last season of, uh, Shit's Creek, which, you know, I started watching that when it came out and then, but was never like, I got to watch, you know, I got to subscribe to pop or whatever the fuck I was, you know, watched it uh, in bits and pieces. Um, but so now I've, I'm finally accepting that it's over and uh, watching that last season. And it's, you know, it's very, it's very good, very good show, very emotional show for a show that starts off so cynical and bleak. It ends up so heartwarming and wholesome. I really love it. And I guess I'll take this last opportunity to recommend a couple movies I've already recommended on the show before, but we haven't talked about much. Uh, one being the documentary Tread on Netflix about the guy in like early 2000s who destroyed a, a town in Colorado by armoring a tread, uh, what do you call it, a bulldozer? He like he turned a whole bulldozer into a tank and took out his town. Um, that 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 documentary deserves more eyes on it as does the 2020 film swallow, which I think was the best film of last year that people didn't really talk about. So I like the yeah, Bush song. Swallow! It's, a, it's, it's about a woman. You would like it, Mike. It's very much dealing with mental health issues. It's about a pregnant woman dealing with Pika or Pika. I don't know how you pronounce this, but she's like, got to eat stuff around her. And it's beautifully shot and just a really good, uh, uh, character study piece of like someone who's going through turmoil turmoil and like emotional mental health trauma and like just no everyone around her failing her it's really really a fantastic movie so check out swallow if you haven't and check out tread also my favorite uh daryl are you into mental health issues uh yes absolutely love them riddled with them um <laughs> quite, quite frankly huh? uh, so yeah i think it's you know anything we can help spread a positive message about mental health and stuff that's always good had my own 
dealings with the uh, the dastardly D, um, which isn't me, by the way. Um, <laughs> so not you, okay. <laughs> that the you other, know of. The, the other dastardly. Yeah, <laughs> my kind of. Hey, that's my kind of D, though. I'll tell you. Uh, all right, so. Uh, Daryl, I'm not. I didn't uh, even know if you're familiar with this segment. So, are you getting the gist of how this works? Yes. It's complicated. Uh, no, no, I was advised in advance to bring Complex. some recommendations. Oh, um, good job, Travis. Nice work. See, I've that's been, good show prep. Daryl, quit barking. Jesus. Man. <laughs> My God. He's, Sorry, that's the. Uh, he looks like a half Saddam Hussein, half dog from Hot Shots. <laughs> That's the uh, the British police at the door. Um, it it makes a difference. I usually get Stephen Merchant all the time. Um, that's oh. that's better. I get the guy from Stained a lot, and it's not complimentary to be told these things. I get uh, Stephen Merchant. I get a Simon Pegg sometimes. Um, hmm. I um, I'm trying to think of any that aren't completely British centric. <laughs> yeah. um, every Weasley you've ever seen. Um, yeah. Mel Gibson, been, um, especially Mel Gibson. Yeah, I knew it. Um, I, was I saw say, it. Yeah, Good just trying, to, just trying to get my groceries and can't get <laughs> keep getting stopped by ladies who want a piece of the big gibber. Uh, <laughs> the gibber. Oh my god! Wow. Uh, all right, Eric. Uh... <laughs> what the fuck, Eric? What are you gonna offer? I know you're really feeling the stress on this one. For less than forty-eight hours to come up with some type of recommendation. Can you? Well, tonight, I, uh, last night, I watched HUD from nineteen sixty-three. Mister Newman, I've never seen it, but I hear great things. Paul Newman. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it in quite a while. It actually paired really well with the weatherman because that the film is essentially about like uh indolence and misguided youth and the expectations of familiar relationships which is like the weatherman uh it's really good man uh like no one argues with their father in a movie like paul newman so if you like cat on a hit hot tin roof or like the hustler and some of the early newman stuff and you missed hud check it out because it's really spectacular all right. HUD. Not the HUD sucker proxy, by the way. Different film. Oh, huh? Yeah, different yeah. film. Uh, and for me, I uh, I was locked into season two of the morning show. I blew through the whole thing, so I finished that. It was just something I had to do. And boy, this show is really exhausting. I'm glad it's over in a way because... <laughs> Wait, I was the season finale yesterday? For number two? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I gotta watch it. Okay. It's all out. It's all, it's all there. And um, I don't know if this is how the world works because I'm not in corporate America. Um, I'm also not a major network TV star, which the morning show is based on a morning show on a major network, which is antiquated television that no longer exists, but it's still trying to hang on, which they also cover in the show. I appreciate. I just don't know, uh, if day to day are people really dealing with these, a lot of these issues like me too. And, uh, the racism has always been racism. I'm, I'm talking about the hot button issues that are on Twitter and social media that we're trying to create social change for, which, you know, George Floyd was an impetus for more of the movement in 2020. And the show is based in 2020. There's also the coronavirus that is mixed into the show. So it's like, it's also kind of a bummer. It's like, I don't want to see that. But I also wonder how much of a day to day operations, because I'm not out there engaging with people in the social world. Is it really impacting individual conversations and the social groupings that they're in because I haven't had a lot of that experience. So then again, I'm just a 
41-year-old white guy living by himself in the middle of nowhere. So you know, maybe <laughs> I truly am out of touch. So, uh, <laughs> maybe. I'm willing to admit that freely and I want people to know that. I have no self-esteem and I don't have any self-respect. So don't try to come at me like I don't know stuff because I'll just acquiesce and go into a hole. I'm fine with that. So. How are you feeling today? You doing all right? Yeah, nice little Saturday. Okay. <laughs> nice little uh, Saturday. Yeah, and then... Uh, Oh, I watched one other movie. Maybe I mentioned it before, but I still like it. I'm going to push for it. Downsizing Alexander Payne's movie, which was ripped on by oh. a lot of people, featuring Matt Damon and Kristen Wiig. Uh, I think it's a good movie. It keeps getting better. I enjoy it more and more, and I still am going to recommend Downsizing from 2017, I think. So. All right, Daryl, we'll turn it over to you. Last but definitely not least, the most important person on the show today. Give us as many recommendations as you want. I feel like I wouldn't be doing my job if it wasn't at least another Nicolas Cage recommendation. Going to get bored of this real quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I suppose one of the reasons of watching Weather Matter today is because this is a film I, I find, and we'll get into it, I find it to be tremendously underrated in the Cage pantheon of his filmography. Um, so I suppose two of the films that of cages that I find to be very underrated. Um, one is Matchstick Men from 2003. There's a lot. I don't feel people are still talking about this even enough, even though it's, you know, Ridley Scott attached to this. And another, and, you know, stop me if you can see where I'm going here, is <laughs> Joe from 2013, um, which to this day um, I am still... Um, I have a daily scream that this was snubbed um, through all the awards in 2013. This deserved mm -hmm. a lot more. And I think between these three films as well, and as ridiculous as this may sound, uh, these are, for me at least, all films which are in the category of reminders that Nicolas Cage can act, um, despite what some people may think. Um, I think Joe is just... A wonderful, um, you know, a quiet cage, more meditative cage. Uh, Matchstick Man, you know, we touched on sort of mental illness. He plays a character with OCD. One, I think he plays, um, would have been very easy just to take it over the top. I think he plays it with um, a, a sort of modicum of care and sort of um, uh, compassion with all of that as well. Um, so those would be the two films that I would, uh, you know, have a, have a recommend for you. Outside think, of that, uh, if you want me to throw it around, um, comedy series, go and watch Review. That was really good. I enjoyed that with Andy Daly, um, which I think is another one. I don't know if many people in America even saw it because it was hardly watched over here. Um, that was weird. Um, he plays a professional critic um, who reviews real-life scenarios like um, he reviews racism. He tries out racism for a while to give it a rating between one and five. Um, wow. <laughs> I know this, they're getting kicked in the nuts. He reviews that. Um, he, oh, such, wow. Like getting divorced as well. So I <laughs> thoroughly right. recommend. I think there was only three seasons, but I'd thoroughly recommend that. I'm sold. That's funny. Um, I got a question for you. You know, there's one other actor that you talk about on the Cage Rage podcast. Um, with with regularity who i agree is the other greatest working living actor which is willem dafoe so uh, got a favorite um, dafoe film or two you could throw at us uh dafoe well i actually just watched um dog eat dog only yes. yesterday for the Love first it. time <laughs> um so that one i feel i wanted to love it i didn't hate it 
I feel like it might need another watch to sort of settle me on it because I'm not a huge Paul Schrader fan. Oh, we're big Schrader oh, fans here. Oh, so. oh, 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 wow. <laughs> I think, it, wow. I think a, he's, he's all style over substance. I think he's trash. I think he's trash. trash. Wow. Oh, man. Did you well, see I, First Reformed? Oh, boy. You got to see First Reformed. He's got, he's got, said. what's that? If I said, I said what I said. <laughs> and if, if, there's, if there's a film you think that, like, this is the film, I suppose in, in a reverse cage way, if there's a film that you gentlemen would suggest to say, this is the one to turn you on, yes, Schrader, it's first then I will. It's First Reformed. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. I, will, I will take a chance on First Reformed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Doggy Dog is yeah. one of the most brutal films I've ever watched in my life, especially that opening. So, like, uh, yeah, if that's, that's, that's not what Schrader's always about. <laughs> you said what you said. We'll respect that. I said what I said. <laughs> I love it. I, right. I love your passion. I love I that love you're the, not afraid to be yourself. That's I love my that we're talking guy. about Paul Schrader on this show again. It's been like <laughs> three episodes. Paul Schrader! <laughs> we love Paul Schrader on the show. And First Reformed is very important to us. And Daryl, if you didn't know, we all got a copy of First Reformed for Christmas last year from Travis <laughs> as a running joke, but not that big of a joke because now we always have a copy to offer. So That's true. Right. So uh, if you want us to send you a DVD, I could loan you mine. It's Blu-ray. I don't know if you watch DVDs because I don't. In fact, I had to go out of my way to watch that DVD because I have not put a DVD in a player in three and a half, four years at least. It's one of those rare yeah. DVD Blu-rays. I think you <laughs> offer like in your in your three picks, Daryl. I mean, you've nailed the versatility of of, of Nick Cage and in, in all three of these. And for me, the two highlights, uh, personality-wise, for these is his ability to be super confident in a role like in Mastic Man or like as Caster Troy and be the complete polar opposite, which is a, a total lack of confidence. That's not easy to do. And he's the master at, at that particular quality. Or sometimes like in Weatherman, there's like this weird mix of both. He's yeah. like self-effacing and hates himself, but it like presents this kind of confident mask to the world in a lot of ways, um, which is probably kind of a tightrope for an actor, I think. Not that I've ever been one or anything. And I think he's a great actor. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, he is a very talented individual. So well, it's good. just the trend right, of Nick Cage. He's right over your left shoulder, so he can hear everything you're saying. Hey, there he is. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's my face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't forget that uh, this is a podcast, so you can follow us. and Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That's really the... Hey, is there another way to rate a podcast? Have you figured it out, Daryl? Because it really still is like the only monopolized version or way to get the job done, right? Um, a warm hug to say, <laughs> well done, that you've, you've, you've done all of this, and that it's all going to be worth it at the end when you're at the pearly gates. And God right. be like, oh, seen... Christ, another <laughs> one. Another podcaster. Is he white but... with facial hair? You know he is. <laughs> but right, though, there's, there's no other vessel or method to rate a podcast is there i don't think there is another way we still haven't found it have you i think it's just it's just your usual streamings your apples your pod chases mm. your your big air quote engagements on the socials what what, what does that mean yeah but um, apple owns it bothers me that apple has a monopoly on it like they're in, at least here in the states i have not figured out another way like spotify is a huge podcast platform there's no way to rate any podcast on it you think you'd want to have multiple sources? It seems odd to me. It seems like a failure on Spotify's part, though. Like, why? Yeah, why, why, why don't they put that feature in there? You know, it's very. I'm not going to blame Apple for this one. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Well, <laughs> either way, 
Five-star reviews help the show grow and expand our horizons to other people like Daryl. Same thing goes for Daryl's podcast. Cage Rage Podcast. Give it a five-star review and tell him that Cinema 9 sent you. Or that you found him on Cinema 9 and you fell in love with him and you'd like to meet him in a dark alley after hours for a simple rendezvous. And if... A warm hug. He's down, then he'll show up. He seems like an open mind guy to me. So we'll see what happens. Either way, yeah, look at that. Yeah. You'd be surprised at what I wouldn't say no to. Okay. <laughs> you got that down. Uh, Slam dunk. NBA references. Yay. Hey, good job. The NBA? Are we talking basketball? No, no. no. I don't know any players. Only Mike. Yeah, knows. Uh, I, haven't, it, I will say this. I've never seen any of the Space Jams, and I have no plan to ever see any of the Space Jams. I watched the first one thinking, oh, I'll watch this since I've never seen it before since the new one's coming out. And I watched the first one. I'm like, that sucks. I'm not going to watch <laughs> the second one. Why would I do that? I know. <laughs> what nostalgia? Who is nostalgic for this shit? I don't know who it is, but either way. In- intellectual property, the movie. Hey! Hey! <laughs> that's what Hollywood's becoming, sadly, in a lot of ways. But there's still hope. And that's why we do the show. No emails today because we just did a show less than 48 hours ago. You can email us, cinnamonidepodprotomail.com. All right, let's get to the main event. It's called The Weather Hold Up. No, no, no. I was was on to something. I thought you were going to say The Family Man again. It's called (laughs) I was close to saying The Family Man again. That's true. Uh, No, but I actually was going to say this is our signature segment. Does it hold up or not? We focus in on a particular movie every show. And this movie was selected by Daryl Edge himself. And I'm wondering. Tartar sauce, tartar sauce, tartar sauce. I just want to stick my head right in there. Tartar sauce. No, I'd like to put my face in there. Tartar sauce. Uh, That was definitely going to be a highlight for the movie for me, which we'll get to. But yes, a 2005 film. Called The Weatherman, starring Nicolas Cage, Michael Caine, Hope Davis. That was a terrible Michael Caine. I know that. Uh, and I'm not. I thought you were slurring your speech. Or something. Uh, you smelling uh, organs? I, I will say, I love trying to do the Michael Caine. I can't do it, but I was inspired by Michael Winterbottom's The Trip with Coogan oh, yeah. and Rob Brydon. And they did right. it so well. It, it, it just, I fell in love with that. I was a big fan of that. So, Tara, why don't you open the floor for us? Why did you pick this movie? Just tell us why you picked this film. And also tell us, do you remember the first time you ever saw it? Um, it was the podcast last year. It was the first time I saw it. So it was, I guess, coming up in the chronology of things. Um, so I think with any Cage film that I've not seen before, which, as it turned out, was quite a lot of them, uh, this was a first-time watch. I always tried to go into these Cage films with an open mind. Um, I'll know, like, you know, the tagline, the synopsis of the film. So... Um, a lot of his 2000 output at this point in his chronology had been still pretty solid for the most part. This is coming off uh, Matchstick Man, National Treasure, Lord of War, uh, adaptation before that. So he still had a fairly good streak going. Um, the 2010s, that's a different story altogether. Um, but you've got, obviously got Nicolas Cage here. You've got Michael Caine. Um, I love actor with Nicolas Cage. Um, was that your, was that your and, Michael Caine? Yeah, I slipped a quick one in there for you. Just, <laughs> just a Beautiful. blink and you'll blink and you'll miss it. Um, I think, you know, I'm sure we'll go into it. My only issue with with Michael Caine in this is that that accent is inexcusable. 
Um, what is we... going on with that thing? This, oh, boy. This Sorry, is the, but you're the, right. It's yeah, like, we'll, not, okay. Yeah. Not that, we'll get you know, that you can't have an American and a British parent, but just just cast Michael Caine for Michael Caine. Don't make him actually act. He's a bit past that. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Come on. It. You didn't Come see now, his, his tender meltdown in the dark night? The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, I, I failed you. I failed you. <laughs> <laughs> You're tired. It is. They're melting, Mister White. Um, <laughs> okay. So yes, that's that's uh, interesting. Uh, I actually love. You mentioned Lord of War real quick. I just love that movie. That might be my favorite Nicolas Cage movie. Side note. Wow. Uh, seriously. All right. Let's go to Travis. When was the first time you saw this film? Take us back in time because you love this movie. I, I I I definitely liked this movie when it came out. Like I saw it, I don't think I saw it in theaters, but I saw it like as soon as it was available to rent. And I was like, whoa, this is you know, this is a great film. It was I, I immediately compared it to Matchstick Men because like I saw, you know, they both came out a couple years apart from one another. And like it seemed like there's there's a kind of a connectivity between these films in terms of some themes and that kind of stuff and his performance as well to a degree. Um, and I, yeah, and I really liked it and, um, I watched it again, maybe a year or two later and went like, yeah, this is still really good. Then I watched it again, like another couple years later and went, eh, maybe this isn't as good as I remembered. And then I didn't watch it again until this morning. So it's a good, it's a good move for this podcast. And of course it features the great Nicholas Cage, which always makes me happy. Nicholas Cage, Eric Brandstrom, take us back in time. Give us that heartfelt moment. The first time you watched the weatherman. Okay, it's about to get tender in here. Uh, it was 2005. I was in the theater on opening night. Uh, I, you know, I joke earlier, but I've always been a big Cage fan. And I was a Gore Verbinski fan because yes. he's coming off the ring. And I was like, this guy's solid. Uh, so I was there opening night, laughing my ass off in theaters. And for years afterwards, I would watch this easily once a year. For many years, it was my favorite Nicolas Cage movie. But it has been maybe a good seven or eight years since I've taken another look at it. So I mistakenly thought I hadn't seen this movie. And as soon as I fired it up, I was instantly reminded that I absolutely had seen this movie. Again, mm. the confusion with The Family Man continues. The Family Man came out in 2000. I love The Family Man. I do too. I, I actually like The Family Man uh, a little bit. I admit that. It's just funny to make fun of The Weather Man and The Family Man. The Two movies five years apart with the word man in it. That's it. That's not a lot of connections otherwise. Although there is a family involved in both of these films. So. <laughs> well. <laughs> but I... I remember uh, this was part of my blockbuster online days when I was blowing through movies. I, oh, I had yeah. this one, and uh, I remember being like, eh. Eh, you know, it didn't strike me as much. That's why I didn't remember it either, because it just didn't impact me back then. But that doesn't mean it's not a worthy film. It just That's how it was. I, I did not rewatch it since those days. All right, so let's move on to what the critics say and what the people say. Uh, huh. IMDb score. Did anyone not look up the IMDb score on this movie? I don't know what it is. Me neither. All right, I'm gonna guess. Um, I'm gonna guess pretty high, but not upper echelon high. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a six point nine. I guess okay, it's, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess it's a six point nine. Six five. Six five. Daryl, did you uh, give us a shot? Did you see it? Yeah, I was gonna say six nine as well, but to be contrarian, I'm gonna go seven point oh to edge wow. you out a bit. Woo! I appreciate that. That's a season pro. And That's a season podcaster, folks, right there. <laughs> the answer is ding ding ding. Six point five on the nose for Eric Branstrom. Yeah, Congratulations. 
which is a decent film, not a legendary film. Again, like the film we just did 48 hours ago. It was, I think it was a 6, 7, 6, 8. Yeah. So, wow. Um, <laughs> solid. 6.5 is decent. You know, it's not terrible. If you go below 6, you're in trouble. That's all I'll say about that. As far as Rotten Tomatoes, uh, Rotten Tomatoes loves Nicolas Cage, as far as I know. Every movie that's ever been reviewed on Rotten Tomatoes that is a Nicolas Cage film, premium stuff. Except for Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. Oh, yeah, shit. Okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's this movie, too. It's a 59%, which is a splat from the oh, critics. Yeah. And no support from the audience. A 56 so nobody that's a dumped over bucket of popcorn in case you're wondering i, I, I could so. see i could see this being a somewhat divisive film i mean it's a it's a dramedy you know um so there's there's some heavy there's some great like hilarious moments but there's some heavy shit in here that i could see some people not really being able to enjoy i guess especially people who are mental midgets you know sorry to use that word i don't use that word usually but you know you're, you're fired the, the wrinkle brain folk well you're fired dude it comes out when these like downtrodden protagonist black comedies are popular like like sideways so i was i'm kind of surprised that more people weren't feeling the vibe of this narrative Ooh. what about well. the uh what about the critics we got a Dustin thompson check-in in 2005 i think we can count on a Dustin thompson check-in i'm excited about that uh daryl on the show we do the critics reviews and Dustin thompson is our absolute true love he's, he's, he's a legend in that sphere Nine out of ten uh, times, I agree with him. Also, uh, Bill Goody Koontz is also very important <laughs> to us. It's a real person. He's a real reviewer from... <laughs> it's not a candy Arizona. bar. It's a guy's name. He's a real guy from Arizona who reviews <laughs> movies. And ever since we found him, we've fallen in love with him, Daryl. And I hope you will, too. I hope he review this movie just for you. I'm sorry. I'm used to, I've always been a big fan of um, sort of the late great Roger Ebert because he's always been a big cage protector and advocate. Oh, yeah, so he's an honorary golden hogger in my neck of the podcasting woods. <laughs> big Paul Schrader fan too, Daryl. Come on now. Uh oh. <laughs> of course, yes. We always give Ebert his due if he's still alive to review, and I'm, he was still alive for this one, so I'm sure we'll get to him. All right, uh, Peter Travers of Rolling Stone. You've heard of Rolling Stone, Daryl? I'm sure. In the face of a character no one cares about, <laughs> can oh, audiences be faulted for asking, why should we? Oof. Ah, yikes, Peter. It's a harsh review from... Get the fuck out of here, Peter. Rolling Stone. Yeah, Peter yeah, Travers. Yeah, I mean, he's well-known, but he doesn't know everything, right, guys? Right. Yeah. Just give uh, me a list of names and I'll do the rest. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> well, we got Peter Travers at the top. Yeah, that's an easy target. Done. You're not a Murder him. Done. Uh, how about uh let's try a new one moira mcdonald from the seattle times she's right. a top critic and she said it's all believable enough but it never sings i didn't know it was supposed to sing sings um, well i mean there's, he he speaks a, a lyric or two from like a rock does that count <laughs> <laughs> dude i got major flashbacks that fucking song I mean, that, how long was that commercial a commercial? 15 was, years? 10, 10, 15 years. It's an all-time yeah. record for like yeah. the re, a repeat of a commercial yeah. that was in mainstream and re-upped and continually in use. It was unbelievable. Yeah. It's Ruined a it's great a good, song. Yeah. 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 I don't know if you ever heard that. Daryl, did you ever hear this? It was a Chevrolet commercial, Like a Rock, Bob Seger song was used. <laughs> I thought it was Ford. 15 years. See, exactly. Who cares? You don't even, <laughs> cares? It's some car company. It didn't even work uh, on you. <laughs> Chevrolet not massive over here to my yeah, to my knowledge. Oh. You don't you don't demand to drive trucks like five times taller than you are like over there in the Red Rocks. <laughs> no, we're just 
We're just, we're just too busy just telling the poor that they're the problem. Oh. To, to be driving around. You can do yeah, both. We guarantee it. <laughs> Drive a truck and insult the poor. It's American way. That's really God, funny, Daryl. That sounds <laughs> delicious. I'd love that. Uh, by the way, uh, we just have to know, uh, Bob Seger fan? Are you a Bob Seger fan? He's a treasure here. Um, I, I know the name. I wish I knew more of the man. Um, you know, like a rock. And that's about it. Well, you've got... I'm actually jealous. I'm envious of you. You have a whole Bob Seger experience ahead of you. <laughs> Give it a shot. Give it a shot. If you like music, if you like quality, well-written, original music, you'll love Bob Seger. All right. Uh, speaking of Bob Seger, uh, Roger Ebert says, this film has moments of uncommon observation and touching insight. Three and a half out of four stars. So there you go. My boy. There you go. The My Cage boy. Protector legacy lives on, right? Honorary golden honker for a reason, baby. <laughs> and... Desson Thompson. Desson Thompson. Bring Here we go. The legend himself. On October 27, 2005, Desson Thompson said this. What makes this so emotionally compelling is the way Dave scrambles from this deep veil of cluelessness to something approaching moral maturity. That's a mm. okay. Always brief, usually insightful, sometimes not, but usually. <laughs> pretty deep. Here, uh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So, what do we think of that? Uh, do we believe I agree. that to be? You agree? I do. Daryl? Yeah, I think I'd um, agree with that. It's you know, a man spiraling, trying to find his place in the world, and you know, gender aside, I think a lot of us can agree with that journey and find some common ground in that journey and find our roles on this hurtling orb that we call a planet. So. Hmm. I'm down with her. I'm I'm on board with her. All right. Is uh, Dave a good parent? I think he wants to be. I think he tries to be, and I think that that's. I think that takes. I think that makes a good parent. I mean, I've never been one. I don't plan on being one. But generally, I think that, like you know, if you don't give a fuck, if you're doing a good job, you're gonna do a really bad job, and pretty much everyone's gonna fuck up their kid. But at least if you, at least he tries, he's trying. <laughs> You know, uh, he recognizes the absences that he's taken in his life, that he's prioritized his career. And I think that that's got a lot to do with what's happening with his crisis in this movie. So he's realizing that, like, he's actually, like, been really good at his job, <clears throat> excuse me, and, like, bad at his life. And now he's going to, like, take this next step up in his job. But he's like, I got to fucking sort my life out at least a little bit before I make this step with my career. And it's mostly focused on his kids. Not enough on his son, but still. Yeah, his poor son just getting groomed for the majority of the film. Um, oof. Gil yeah. Bellows, too creepy in this. A, a young Nicholas Holt as well playing yeah. the son in one of those, oh, it's you moments. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he can do an American right. accent, it turns out. <laughs> Nicholas Holt can. Um, yeah, right. Michael Caine, unforgivable. It Why really is. Why even pretend? Why bother? Why That's pretend? funny that you guys, I didn't catch this at all. I mean, I watched the movie, and it didn't fast forward through any of it, actually, which is shocking. And uh, <laughs> I just it didn't. Worked. I just thought Michael Caine was being, he just being himself. I didn't really, I, I didn't see it enough. I'd have to go back and listen to it, I guess. But I'm not saying you guys are wrong. I just didn't even bother to be like, oh, well, that's garbage. I think he gets a free pass because he's Michael Caine, but it's him just being clueless and all going, son, what's a camel toe? What's a blow job? What's a big gulp? Yeah. Her colleagues are calling her a camel toe. Her yeah. Colleagues. <laughs> we talk about his fucking character in this movie. Like, 
Who is what this is guy? Sucking and chucking and fucking and jacking off, son. <laughs> yeah. He's saying dildo on the phone to his ex-wife when he shows up. That doesn't help. But what is is this? I think that he is a terrible father. I mean, forget Dave. Michael Caine is a shitty ass father who makes his son feel like shit for most of the movie. After his attempts to show him his hello America letter on the seat, he sits on it, ignores it, and then at the very end, he's he got the like a rock reference. Was five seconds of a speech with the power went out at his living funeral. The fuck. Uh, I gotta say, like, yeah, the majority of what this uh, Robert character does is just told in such this condescending tone. Like, if you stop and look at like his first sequence. After like two hours of them like visiting the hospital, only when they're about to depart does he even ask how things are going. So you're going to spend two hours with your son and not even act like you are concerned at all about his life. It's just. Well, I think that it's, I mean, like it's critical to the character of Dave Spritz because I mean, like he's a guy who needs a lot of validation and hasn't gotten a ton of guidance. Um, so like it makes sense that he's got the successful father who has, largely ignored him because now he's going to be successful and largely ignore his kids but he's trying to do better and and i think that his father robert um is self-absorbed um and um but also like fairly well-intentioned like he goes to his his son's ex-wife house, wife's house to try and be like ah we need to talk about your what your daughter's wearing like i'm concerned for her like he he is well-intentioned generally throughout the film i think but he's, he's certainly a flawed dude which you know, it makes sense because it's, it's, Dave's a flawed character. So we're seeing a lot of where his story comes from. Yeah, definitely. So I think it's, it is, I think, largely a, it's a father-son film dynamic. And you've got, I think both of them have been ignorant in different ways. And there's, uh, and obviously you see this is where sort of Cage gets it from. He gets it straight from, from Kane, the apple not falling far from the tree. I, I learned I, by watching you. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's exactly it like they're both on these careers and i think they both see that each other has put their careers before their family lives and anytime you get this sort of um i don't know this air of sentimentality that maybe there is like some love behind there it's just like another barbed line that comes in and they just can't quite get past it and it's I think like it takes it takes that living funeral, living wake. Which is that a thing that happens in America? Because that's I don't think that's a thing here. No. Um, very interesting. Um, terrifying, if anything. It's um, I've heard of the concept once, but it's not a common thing. And as far yeah. as I know, we're indulgent, but we're not that self-indulgent. I mean. <laughs> yeah. It was the two thousands? It was a pretty selfish decade. One of the things I really love, though, about the the. Um, dynamic between the characters is that is that this consistent inability of Dave to like compete the most menial of tasks for his father like he asks for a coffee <laughs> and he brings him a wild cherry soda he asks for a paper he brings him a coffee like it's just it's just like and it's always like these events that are really kind of out of his control like he's he's like trying to live his life but also please his father but like he just always ends up giving him just a little he doesn't bit listen though he he's wants. selfish yeah. and he doesn't listen because yeah. he tells him hey son after he could have learned a lesson from the first one with the coffee yeah carry more than a freaking dollar in your wallet you make 200 you go out of your way to tell us you make two hundred forty thousand dollars a year as a weatherman yeah you can have more than a single dollar bill but he doesn't listen just like with the tartar sauce he listens but he tartar doesn't sauce. listen because his mind tartar just sauce. goes completely out the window by the time he gets there and then he lies about it this guy is 
a piece of he, shit. And then he thinks later, if only I remember the, the tartar sauce. Like, no, dude, if only you hadn't lied. Exactly. That's the problem here. And that, I mean, he's filled with so many examples of his awfulness. Uh, they're not like super obvious, like in a way uh, Donald Trump is just a supreme scumbag. They are just these little things that happen here, happen there. These attempts where he tries to do good and then it all goes out the window. The archery thing with his daughter and he's trying to get his daughter to finish the skating race. She tears her oh. ACL and MCL. I'm like, I thought it was going to be like she would be pissed. Like, I can't believe he made me finish this. No, she tears her fucking knee up. Holy shit. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah. And, and who is it for? It's definitely not for her confidence. It's, it's clearly for him. I, I was surprised on this most recent viewing how much less sympathy i have for dave like the multiple times i used to watch this i was like oh this guy's like me like uh, he's just misunderstood and so what if he's you know not that smart he's just very lazy in his approach to life he says he works two hours a day and he makes a, a fortune and yet how does he he doesn't spend his time with any self-improvement at all he just tries to live his life the way he is and use that as an excuse for all of these situations well I will say he does focus it on the archery yeah. himself. Something that brings him joy. I don't know if that's self-improvement, but he, he dedicates oh, for himself sure. to it's it. Like, it's like meditation. It, it's what gets him out of this rut in the long run. Yeah. Is it a crime to just hold a bow in tow, ready to release, and point it at someone? Is that a crime in itself, or is that just a threat? Dude, a I, lived in, I lived in Chicago for many years, and I hung out in Lincoln Park quite a bit. You're not... Firing arrows into a tree in the middle of this huge park that's populated. What about? Um, can you just walk down the streets of New York City on a regular basis with it, like on your back and like ready to go? You can if open, you open want to point thing. out, like if you want to really hammer the nail on the head about the symbolism of him finally being armed with the tools to get through life. But other than that, no, probably not legal. <laughs> what do you think, Daryl? Is he a piece of shit? I think you're putting forward a compelling argument um, th that he might be. Um, I think I can see it from two sides. I think I think he's maybe lived in a bubble for a while. He's sort of compartmentalized. He's pushed these life problems to the back. He's like, you know, like he's not he's not really a meteorologist. Is he? He's a celebrity in his own mind. So <laughs> um, I think all of these things are second fiddle, like the relationship with his father. He's soon to be divorced ex-wife, uh, his daughter, and trying to make all these adjustments. Um, I think it's only sort of through the film after so many times of having a McNugget or a milkshake thrown at him. Um, <laughs> it's, it's kind of interesting because I think like with his family, like with the public perception, there's people who love him. Maybe the audience as well, like Nicolas Cage, people who love him and people who hate him. There's that uh there's the couple who were watching him was like yes. oh i really like him and there's the other one who's like i hate his face he's got an asshole face, asshole yeah. face. <laughs> um yeah. so frosty it's, taking it's, fuck happy son <laughs> it's, it's almost like a meta reading on nicholas cage in some ways this movie it's mm -hmm. uh, how i sort of read it as well that's um, a great point that's yeah. a really great point it, just for the record, you don't know me that well but there's a lot of fast food references in this film more than i it's think i've be, ever seen Heads down, this is the Hall of Fame movie. You got Arby's, Wendy's. Uh, there might have been another one thrown in there officially, but you got Burger Frosty King. Burger King? Uh, oh, Wendy's, okay. yeah. Um, uh, Roger Massive, 
Yeah, Kenny Rogers <laughs> Roasters. Rogers uh, Roasters. Yeah, fuck. I mean, there's like the pretty much every Taco Bell's in there. Pretty much every fast oh, food. Oh, that's right. Gets referenced except for I think Chick Fil A, which is fine. Fuck, you know, they must have filled the whole budget off that shit, man. I mean, it's ridiculous. He has to explain to his dad what a frosty is. That is just clearly product placement. <laughs> and him telling him, I've got lymphoma while the fucking spoon is still strong. So funny. Yeah, that was, but, all, that was McDonald's oh hot, my. warm apple pie. They did mention McDonald's, the hot apple yep. pie. So. And it's uh, really, really rewarding when he chases the dude down and like smears it in his face. It's like, fuck yeah, finally. Like, um, I got to uh, see my family, you fuck. And that was pretty yeah, funny. That, that was, was pretty good. good. But I think that, I, yeah, I agree. This is partly like a meditation on celebrity and like um, the the pratfalls of that good and some of the good that comes with it too. He was like, I, I get rewarded for very little in the shakes over reaction to that. Right. But I also think that there's a lot about, you know, this, this big deal is, is made of the movie at the end of uh, what an American accomplishment it is to make a million dollars plus a year. And how, but like, we already know that like his job does not fulfill him, that it makes him feel empty and kind of worthless in a lot of ways, but he enjoys the, the perks that come with it. But by the end of the movie, he's like leaned into that. And I think there's a lot of this movie that's kind of looking at like, you know, the ways that we try to find purpose in our careers and um, how most of us, regardless of the amount of money that we make, often spend a great deal of time doing shit that we don't like or care about. And um, the stuff that we really do like and care about doesn't get tended to uh, with, the, with the attention to detail that we would that we honestly think it deserves, but we're distracted with these fucking careers. Um so I, I think that the, I think that on one hand, this like this movie works like as a like a meta thing on on cage or celebrity, but also I think that it's pretty relatable to like Joe Everyman or whatever because I think everyone could could feel like yeah I'm not fulfilled by my work, um, and I also have a hard time feeling validated by my father. <laughs> Most people yeah. see that right, not just me. <laughs> and I, I mean, also, I like the way the, the, the arc isn't that he changes. I think the whole point is that you don't really have to change. You can you, you should be comfortable with yourself and be able to improve your life. But the film kind of affirms adequacy and mediocrity in a positive way, which is kind of a bizarre conceit, but it works for the most part. Yeah. And the one thing I want to mention real quick is, yes, they threw food at him. There's also instances where he's just in situations standing in line at the DMV and people just say, hello, I want to, they're not being rude. They just want to recognize, they recognize who he is and they want to TV, bro. Yeah. And he doesn't want anything to do with that. But by the end of the movie, when he's got the big time job, they show example of him finally accepting that be like, all right, ask for an autograph. He gave it to the guy, you know, shit like that. I also really like, um, the giant SpongeBob, um, Oh. Balloon that because I think there's like some meaning to this. Uh, it's a giant, huge filling like filling the space of the of the city, iconic character that's completely empty and temporary, right? And like, mm. I, and I think that that's like you know I think that's kind of what he's uh, achieving and feels like okay, like I've celebrated him on this on this float. His family's not with him, but like, yeah, there is something going on here where like, it's not so much like better yourself as it is accept yourself in a lot of ways. 
Yeah, and, sure. and I really like the way that they show that too. Because at the end of the movie, like he's like he's talking about all these people that he could have been, like these great uh, character traits that he wanted to have, and this person who he wanted to be. And we see these people disappear and go into doors and just disappear from the screen until all that's left is just him and the person that he actually is. And he leans into it, and I do think that that's a good message ultimately. Yes, Daryl, did you think that people rated this movie as average or below average on Rotten Tomatoes? The people, not the critics because it made them feel uncomfortable about their own lives, kind of what Travis was alluding to with this. This isn't every person film in a way, but it could be, I don't want to think about this shit. It's going to fuck me up. <laughs> um, well, unfortunately, cinema in front of and behind the camera, full of cowards. Um, <laughs> as <of> the, <laughs> the world is full of cowards, then. <laughs> uh, I think it could well be, I suppose, um, you know, when you sort of dig deeper into this film, it is one that sort of, reflective and I think as we've been saying here it's about sort of finding your own way in the world and I think one of the takeaways and I think that um I think some of these character alludes to it's that um just because you're an adult life doesn't automatically become easy you don't just get to make it easy I think it's the analogy of him with the bow as well life as with archery, as with other things, it's something you've got to practice at mm. and it gets better. Um, there is no open manual for this crazy thing that we called life. So it's um, getting to a place of um, comfortability, I suppose. And I think, you, you know, I, I've been this person before. I've, you know, complained about my lot. It's like, why is this person getting this opportunity? Why am I sort of here? But Again, this is kind of the thing, you know, I don't just get afforded an opportunity because I'm sat in a room complaining and just uh, getting angry about it. Um, I need to go and get a, a bow and arrow and just go into the streets and just look fucking cool um, <laughs> <laughs> to finally get that respect, which is probably the message here. Just, just, just change your lifestyle and your outfit and look fucking rad. It'd <laughs> uh, <laughs> be dope as shit. Um, yeah, but um, I, I think I think there's that, there's that message there that um, you know, no matter how good people have it, you know, we don't always know the story of people as well. I, you know, sympathy with the rich, <laughs> yay. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's I think it's, it's a life message with every everyone is the same. That reminds me when he looks at that house and says. That should be a happy family in there. Happy yeah. people should live in that house when he's sitting in his car looking at the house. And that is one of the messages of the movie is that wealth won't buy that for you, even though we are supposed to be like sympathizing with this person and and like he his movement up in the world is more visibility and more money, two things that really hadn't been buying him happiness so far. Right. Um, exactly. <laughs> but again, like it's a I think it's a complicated film. One of the messages is sacrifice and it's explicitly said that adult life should not be easy uh life is hard and the it's hard thing life. to do yeah the hard the hard thing to do is usually the right thing to do so in terms of this movie especially in this latest viewing i'm thinking to myself well jesus does david really make any sacrifices in the movie he has this cushy job basically handed to him he shows up to the interview half asleep <laughs> how, so how hard does he have to try to attain this uh, enlightenment such as it is at the end of the movie like what is the challenge like what does he have to overcome and hung over yeah don't you know, he gets plowed the night before his big interview well i think that's like, <laughs> another, i know and that's another part of the movie is that like 
And sadly, this is the part that I think is relatable. I mean, uh, I am a, I've always come from lower middle class, but I'm still, uh, I, from the country that I'm in, I'm far more privileged than, than most people in the world. Uh, and I think that that's partly what the movie is about is like wrestling with that privilege. And like, he comes from a, a rich, famous father. He falls into this job where he worked two hours a day and got a degree in communications, probably just a bachelor's. The wind, place. it's the wind, man. Nobody can predict the wind. <laughs> so like, he's got this whole life handed to him this, and like, and he hasn't earned any of it. And the stuff that like he can like affect and influence, he makes demonstrably worse over and over again with like every choice that he makes because he just yeah. has to fucking be the kind of person to go in the bathroom and look at the fucking trust note immediately he's just he's, one of these fucking, he's not a great guy i mean that that's the whole thing it, it's easy to want things to get better but david doesn't really see that he needs to be better and yeah. that that will fix everything yeah well it's an, that's why it's an american accomplishment <laughs> there are no cats in America. In the I keep hearing the word America, and I just that keeps coming to mind. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> okay, so we're uh, well, we got a little bit more time here before we get to the final verdict. What, uh, Daryl? What are some other stuff you want to bring up here? I mean, you are a special guest. You own this show. Bring it. Give it to us. And you'll take it, good sir. Um, <laughs> something I noticed, I think, very quickly, and this is basically from watching. A chronology of cage films up until this point and beyond um and as you may know if you've watched any number of cage films is that one of the wild cards in any cage film is his hair um here we go now for my money his hair looks real good in this the best best I fake hair i would say some of it's it's some of the best cage hair that he's had in cinema uh maybe wow. before during since um and I, I sort of joke about it on my podcast, but semi-seriously, once I've caught up with all the Cage films uh, <laughs> that I might sit down and commit to... Um, the, Honeymoon in Vegas? <laughs> oh, what about the dead cool. koala bear he has on his head and Peggy Sue got married? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think one day I'm going to have to sit down and have like um, a definitive <laughs> ranking from best to worst or worst to best hair. That'd be Call awesome. it the Nicolas Cage official hairies. There's no official name for it yet. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's been some terrible hairs. There's been his sort of Lego hair that dominated a lot of the mid-2010s. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you know, let's not talk about his hair in Next or Bangkok Dangerous. <laughs> um, or Drive that, Dangerous. Like... <laughs> or Drive Angry, I mean, that's also some classic hair. Outcast. <laughs> but, but here, um, Outcast as well, great shell. Um, but here, very solid, normal young person hair. Um, motivated. Motivated. Like, it makes sense for someone in his career to, like, have a really good rug. <laughs> and it, as he's saying right at the start, I think he's in the sink and he splashes his face with water. I think he's like, that was refreshing. I'm refreshed. I'm refreshing. <laughs> I, was um, like, hoping, you know, I was really hoping right. you do your impersonation. I was <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what, Nicholas Cage, I'm refreshed as well because that hair is so nice. Um, so that up there is, is great. Uh, I think the, the other main thing is that there was there was a series of films in a row, especially his earliest movies in the eighties, where he was mostly cast as like young heartthrob in these more artistic and dramatic mm -hmm. movies and stuff, and he was always laying with women, um, always raw dogging, always raw dogging, um, 
any raw dogs in this whilst dressed <laughs> as Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, which is great. Um, true. Which, well, I have to dub this uh, the raw dogging of Abraham Lincage. Um, <laughs> I don't know how this rewrites American history uh, for, for, the better. for the better. He, pretty, he looked like him. I was kind of surprised. It wasn't like, yeah, was like, yeah he, pulled, he pulled it off. And uh, Daryl, you're, I believe you're, you're 30, right? You're 30. You're you just turned 30, I believe you said recently. Yes. Well, yes, happy, sir. happy belated birthday to that. The three of us are all 41, which is, I believe, what <laughs> Nick Cage was when he made this film. And that's Ooh. just it's so fucking weird <laughs> oh, to man. me, like to be like the same age as this character and this actor. <sighs> uh, it's and to make so much less money. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I make it. I make his Purina promotion money right now. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I, wish I, bought, that. <laughs> I think it's like like life, like the weatherman. You just got to be born into the right family, have it's you? True. It's true. Um, I wanted to bring up the parenting of the two different kids here. Was I noticed that he's focusing on it, and he admits it to his son Mike at the time when Mike mm -hmm. comes home and he's sitting in the car outside the house saying. So, I still so love you. I'm just scene. focusing in on her right now because she needs right. it. But I still love you. I'm not trying to ignore you, which I give him credit for saying that, that he at least tries to tell his son that this is not a f total disrespect or, or ignoring you entirely. Uh, but it's but, like he picked the wrong kid. Like she's he, he probably needed to be paid attention to a lot more than she did. Right. I mean, he's literally like got this substitute father figure who's making dinner for him, buying him clothes, giving him a camera when uh, he's like trying to earn one from his dad, um, you know, prepping to sexually abuse him. Uh, it's like and that's and that's why, because he's been absent. So like that's the only reason he's going to like turn to this guy. And while we're on Gil Bellows and how creepy it is, uh... how fucking awesome it is, is it? Um, the, the, I don't know the kid's name. I can't remember the character's name, but the performance from, from Nicholas Holt's friend in the mall with just like totally suspicious face. Like, who the fuck is this guy? The whole time he's talking to him, he's just like yeah. immediately like, just like gets like the wrong vibe from this dude. He's like, fuck no. Like, ah, oh, this guy's not right. But he's not a good friend. Like, you shouldn't leave. You should be like, dude, we should go. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> he said he's I like, I'm know, out of here. I've well, seen he this he so know the many times. And again, it took till this morning. I think this subplot is a bit too much, maybe too, I don't want to say real, but it just seems a little bit too icky for such like a silly, like dour black comedy. That might be me, but like this situation is really serious. This beat down just seems oh, like yeah. a task by Dave. And there's no, I mean, there doesn't really seem like, it doesn't seem like it's a, a made a, out to be more a big of a deal than it is and it's kind of casually put into this film and it's kind of gross oh, i don't know about that i don't I, know i, I mean I, go ahead sorry well they, they react i mean he's in new york when he finds out and then his ex-wife or they're not divorced they're separated they're not divorced officially i don't know clear? he's dating grandma from rounders right Michael <laughs> <Rizzoli. laughs> grandma that's funny yeah. uh but yes he finds out while he's on the road, so he doesn't come home because it's a big weekend to try to get this big job. So I understand that he can't come back, but it's made serious. And when he comes back and he slaps grandma on the face, which is just so dumb yeah. because he says oh, the only time it. you should slap someone in the face like that is if you're a nobleman a from nobleman. the 18th century or an yeah, your father thinking you're a silly fuck. <laughs> yes, that's what would make your father think you're a silly fuck. But uh, he's very upset by it. And and they all take it seriously. It's like it's on lockdown. So I don't think it's totally dismissed, but. If the separate point about it being not an ideal fit for the film, 
I, I think you could have coasted. That, but... I think you could have coasted with the drug use issue at, at school and not had yeah. to. It's marijuana. I mean, well, I, I, I mean, back then and uh, for a high schooler, it's like a, an issue that could deserve attention from a father. But for for me to like want to laugh at the pedophile being like, oh fuck, sweaters. I just didn't didn't sit well with me. I don't know that we're supposed to laugh exactly. And 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 also, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not saying that like fathers just let their sons their teenage sons smoke weed. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that. that I'm that, saying that for the record. Okay, I'm with you. Um, but I'm just saying that the, the, the stakes aren't very high there. The, 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 what we get with this character is that, like, hey, if you are not, like, a good father, if you are absent, people will chicken hawk and hone in on your children. And I also really like the way that, like, Mike's sexuality is dealt with in this film. It's, like, a non-issue. Like, he, he may be gay, he may not be gay, but his father's just like, don't put yourself in adult situations until you're an adult. Like, you know, there's no real judgment. There's no nothing. It's just, like... Like this is the, the problem isn't anything that you've done, really. It's like there's a dude um, and just be careful to, with who you surround yourself with. What do you think, Daryl? Yeah, I think I would agree with all all of what's been said. I mean, I remember the first time I watched it, the um, this the, the very dark B story. I think it was very jarring the first time um, because, you know, there's, I think there's a, a level of sort of it's the grim realities of life in some aspects to this movie and um you know his attentions elsewhere and trying to win back his his old partner and trying to i guess sort of navigate the relationship with his father trying to have a conversation about camel toes with his daughter and then <laughs> whilst whilst all this is going on it's you know he's his son is being groomed and stuff so again like i don't know if that's if that's just some kind of, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, an ex extreme side view of like when all your attention's this way, not all your attention's on the sun, because as he says, it's like, my attention's not really on you right now, but the sun's like, yeah, it's cool. Um, it's fine. You know, don't worry about it. It's genuinely okay. Um, and then it culminates in the sort of beat down on the step. It's just yeah. kind of like a lot happened in this B story, but just kind of like, you kind of distance yourself from it because it's so like icky, as we've said, compared to the rest of the film. Mm. And then the beating happens, but I, I, I guess it's maybe it's intentional because I suppose, like, um, you know, like Cage, you're supposed to have this, um, I guess, almost a catharsis in the beating of this sort of pedophile, but then you, you kind of don't really get it. And I don't think that um, he has it either. It's just kind of like, well, the, and I don't even know if it's misplaced anger. It's just almost as if it's performative. Like he mm -hmm. had to beat him up to to make a statement to try and prove his worth as a father. But you you're you're there, kind of like, mm, yeah, yes, I guess, I guess. I mean, I no guess. one's no one's unhappy to see the, the pedophile get beat down and get the camera thrown in his face. I mean, at least it's at least gratifying in that sense. Yeah, yeah that the, was, it was great, but he's. He's cracking pie jokes like before and after it. Yeah, he, yeah. It, it. he makes it seem like he's got to pick up milk on the way home from from work. It's like yeah, he's su he's super distracted and and, and self absorbed, and that doesn't change. You're right. Yeah, he also read the trust note, which I loved that scene because I really thought it was just going to be blown off as not a big deal. Each person is supposed to write down something that was very secretive, and they're never supposed to open it in this trust exercise. And he does it right away in the bathroom. BJ's and then, then he brings it up to her. Not only does he read it, then he brings it up to her afterwards. And she, 
his ego. She calls him a champion asshole. I love that. That's a yeah. great line. Did anyone pause it and see how bad his breaking point script really was? I, I read a little bit of it. I mean, <laughs> could have been worse. The dialogue that he was reciting was terrible. I, don't know. I was kind of into it. Uh, yeah. It was not a it science sounds, fiction. It, it One character was a scientist. Like, it literally sounds like the type of movie that he would be in nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's funny. We should uh, we should throw some more love at Gore, Gore Verbinski. I think yeah. that he's a really fucking capable director. I don't like all of his movies. Like I don't like any of the fucking uh, pirate pirates shit. I hate the pirate shit. Yep. Um, I thought that uh, Cure for Wellness was dull, but looked fucking fantastic. I'm all I've always been a big Mouse Hunt fan. Yeah. Um, I think that Rango. This, Rango. I like Rango. And I think that this is maybe his best film that I've watched. I mean, like it's 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 the most like it, there's a lot of creativity happening here, but it's not overdone. There's a lot more restraint here mm-hmm. than I think he typically shows. Um the sequences, I mean, like I think that the my favorite part of the movie easily is the sequence that um you already referenced, Daryl, where like all of the slow motion um fast food is like hitting him in the face, the nuggets are like oh you know like all that stuff but it's all shot so beautifully and the movie starts with this with that ice and it like tilts up towards the uh towards the city and i mean how many movies have you seen that began with like a shot of the water then a pan up to the city that you're that's going to take place in i mean that's so fucking cliche but this like i don't know what it's not just the ice like verbinski just has a really um really solid grasp of filmmaking and i'm surprised he doesn't do more love that uh that's one of my favorite parts. Like any good director is going to try to find an image that's going to tell you about the story. And yeah. if you're really lucky, the character, and you get this stasis between liquid and solid, which is exactly where he is. He's stuck in this freeze and he's either going to thaw or he's going to completely freeze over. No, I, 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 mean, I think that's exactly what's happening. Then it cuts to his, his apartment, which is like gorgeous, has this amazing view, but it's so sterile and empty, and it just feels like this place that he's stuck in. Mm-hmm. Rubinsky also made his bone. What made bones? He he cut his chops. What is the phrase? He made what? hay. Cut his teeth. Yeah. How do you when you're getting into something? Going for here. Yeah, I don't know. I'm cut, mixing cut, up cut a lot chop. of. Cut your chop. Got well, he came up doing, uh, you know, Bad Religion and No Effects music that's videos. So that's cool. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. that. I'm just seeing that, that now. That's he did 20, it's 21st Century Digital oh, Boys, Stranger of the Fiction, American Jesus, some of the that's, biggest That's ones. the one. American Jesus is a great video. That's yeah, cool. that's very cool. So good for him. I didn't know that. It probably gives him a little bit of credibility with me. We all grew up on punk rock around here, Daryl, just for the record. SoCal punk, though, not the East Coast dirt punk. Uh, well, we, everybody's different, but generally speaking. So anyways, society has issues, and we're trying to society. get through it. The best... That's the best true. we can. Uh, Daryl, um, any last calls before we close it out here, buddy? I'm going to give it to you. I think just leading off on the Gore Verbinski line, I think just looking at the filmography, just fascinating that he uh, had Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, then did The Weatherman, and then yeah. two more Pirates of the Caribbean films, <laughs> yeah. which yeah. is just yeah, and just outstanding to look at. And he's like, you know what? I've had I've had my my small Nick Cage fancies and thrills. Uh, let's yeah. get back to let's get back to the big nautical adventures. Um, and then has disappeared for five years. Yeah, yeah, so, he's, he's been pretty quiet, which is too bad. Surviving on that pirate money, I think. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. He's separate. <laughs> yeah. 
well, all right then. If that's it, we've covered a lot of detail here on The Weatherman 2005 <laughs> film directed by Gore Verbinski. It's time to find out. Does this movie hold up or not? We will. Do we make the guest go last or first? I never remember. Dealer's choice. When would you? Do you want to start, Daryl? Do you want to hold off? Uh, I'll hold off and get a read of the room. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Uh, Eric, do I go first? Uh, I've always liked the film because of the humor involved. I got some narrative issues these days being the same age as Dave Spritz, which is really fucking weird, like you said. But the movie still says a lot for me, and it's not just the relatability. It's the it's the symbolism. It's the metaphors. Like, I love all the fast food metaphors, the need to to have to provide emotional nourishment to the people around you uh, in in the the expectations of your family and your own fallibility. You're never really in control of every, uh, of anything. Uh, and, and that you just have to better yourself. You cannot get complacent when you have a wife and kids and a job. You just, you just can't because that can, shit is going to bite you in the ass. Uh, the movie does it in a, a funny way. Uh, and it, you know, it, it reminds me that uh, real success comes from positive change and not a lot of movies that are this funny uh with this great caliber of acting and technical prowess do that so i, I still think it holds up i love i love the film All right. oh okay i'll go next uh watching this movie was a real slog for me in fact talking mm. about it with you guys has been way more enjoyable and i'm actually surprised how enthused i am by the conversation of it because watching it was just like jesus this is not enjoyable it has these really really powerful and emotive moments and deep thought-provoking instances where made me think about my own life and it's not cheesy at all which i always approve of it's got a lot of things that i would like a film to have but actually watching this movie I was like, oh, I never want to go back and watch this again. That was my initial response when the movie was over. But for some reason now we're talking about it and all the concepts within the film, and I'm really into it, and I'm laughing now. It, it, I, I'm really confused because <laughs> I just watched the movie last night. It's not like I watched it a week ago or five years ago. I'm not really sure it holds up or not. And I'm going to say as a film, it doesn't... I'm going to say it doesn't hold up. I, I do think it's thought-provoking and worth a watch for sure but i just i think as an actual piece of entertainment it's just it drags too much ass with this weird michael kane character and the scenes with his daughter which are like almost unbearable for me to watch for some reason they're just brutal and it's not i don't need to have a piece of popcorn trash you know we've all watched popcorn <laughs> trash it doesn't have to always be that way but i don't know if it was reworked in some way i bet there's a better movie in there for me it doesn't hold up so all right huh um we'll let we'll, we'll let you go last daryl uh, we'll let you round us out um I, I like i said earlier like i i watched the film originally and thought it was pretty great and then was kind of like eh, maybe i've over built this up too much in my head maybe it's not as, as good as i thought so i didn't watch it for a long time until this morning it was not a slog for me at all i i felt complete opposite uh, i didn't take breaks i didn't fuck around with my phone I was wholly absorbed from the moment the movie started till it ended. 
Um, I was very emotionally involved. I had laughed really hard multiple times. And I even, I even teared up at one point uh, at the scene uh, when Michael Caine and his and Nicolas Cage, which, by the way, I love the shot of their two faces kind of reflected the superimposed yeah. shot uh, in the car window is so but a great last shot for those two characters uh, interacting together. But when, when like, he's like giving him his, when Robert is giving his son advice and like trying to understand like a rock and all that shit, it's all just like, kind of like not going that great. And then like, and then he, te- then he finds out that is that they've like punched out Gil Bellows and he tells him good job. And like, just, just hear him, like the look on, on Spritz's face and like, that was just like, he said good job finally it must mean so much to him you know like so, <laughs> so i was uh i was fully engaged uh, like you i mean the, the the scenes with the daughter are rough there's a lot of stuff uh really intimate stuff about a really young girl's body and um like a, a non-conventional body and, and or like you know and um to the point that like i got i did pause the movie at one point because i was concerned about this girl and i totally stalked her on google like what is she up to now is she okay and oh. she seems just fine she's not acting okay. anymore but she does seem like she's perfectly fine from her instagram feed so i stalked her sorry about that but I, but like but part of me was like this this is a kind of role that could fuck someone up i think in some ways like this is a 12 year old girl doing this role could fuck her fucking person up um but she does a great job nicholas holt does a great job i mean hope davis i mean like this whole cast brings it um gore verbinski does a a really smash up job i think that the uh the imagery the symbolism the metaphor is going on here the the fact that you can chuckle and think about life i think this is this is probably my best watch of the film i think it absolutely holds up and i really really enjoyed it wow there it is yeah how about that yeah, it's up to you, Daryl. Right this is your call. We need you. I don't know. Time to go hard or go home. <laughs> um, I think for me, this one, um, on merit for me, I think this one does hold up. I think with a lot of sort of the, I think the messages and the themes that it talks about, sort of the, um, it's the, the family, the parent-child dynamic, the finding your place in the world, the trying to battle through uh, a job that may not be fulfilling, even if it sort of pays really well. I think there's a lot of um, ideas here that are relevant, that would have been relevant before, relevant when it came out, relevant now, will be relevant in 20 years from now. Um, You know, it's often cringy. You know, we're talking about the... It's, there's very close shot, close-up shots of a, of, a, of a child's camel toe. Let's not shy away from that. That's what's in the film. Yeah. Um, and I shared some um, similar thoughts to yourself, Travis, when it was like, does she still act after this? Because this is this is a, a role that, for better or worse, can define you. Mm. Um, and it's sort of like, I hope her parents were there on set days and looked through the script as well, and she was well cared for during yeah. this movie. But... As you said, she seems to be fine. So that's that's the grand thing there, um, and it's sort of the messages about sort of having to endure in life, and that you know, no one, ex- okay, except for the one percent, to quote Bernie Sanders, um, <laughs> you don't you don't just get to have it good. Um, you've got to you've got to work at it. But if this film's message is anything to go by, um, as with David here and his father. What I took away from this is once your father dies, your life will get better. Yes, wrap it up. Get us out of here. <laughs> Ending dark. <laughs> Sing that klaxon out, son. <laughs> Cut.
Kobe, Kobe, Kobe. Um, <laughs> but that aside, you might have a good relationship with your father, and I hope your father never dies. Um, I hope he lives forever. Um, but yeah, life—it's difficult. You know, no one, no one gets to have it easy just because they said so. Um, so, you know, whether you're a chicken nugget or you're a Caesar salad, you've got to find your own nourishment. <laughs> You must chuck dab, things. Dab, 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 dab. Oh, Nelly! Wow, there it is. Wow. What a That's very tender, very heartfelt. That's beautiful. Thank you, Daryl. Well spent. Last thought on the uh, the meta analysis. This is probably even more of a Cage meta film because he, I had forgot that he did change his name. He really did. So oh, the Spritz yeah. and the, you know, yeah, the Cage part of the cap. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. I love that he wants to take uh, it back. Yeah, being part of the famous family of Hollywood. So, there it is. We've all spoken. I guess uh, I was the only dissenter? Yes. So, the movie holds up. Congratulations, Daryl. You're on the right side of history on this one. And it's been wonderful having you on the show. Before we say farewell to you, we got to get Travis's announcement for what will be next on the show. Um, Well, um, before I announce what we'll be doing uh, next on our show, I also want to say, again, check out the Cage Rage podcast and look for me to be on there soon. I'm I'm, I'm happy that Daryl has invited me on and uh, I'm going to be looking at with him the the film Arsenal, which I talked about a few times on this podcast (laughs) when I watched it last year because I fucking love it for all of its warty glory. Um, So I'm looking forward to talking about this shit film. Um, which is really good and terrible uh, arsenal. So keep an eye out for that on the Cage Rage podcast. And um, as far as what we'll be doing um, after our uh, brief Thanksgiving hiatus, uh, I'm going to do what we've been doing lately, guys. We're gonna, I'm going to give you an offer. Um, Mike and Eric, you have a choice between a film from 1993 or a film from 2015. Very different films. I say wow, 93. I Michael? Uh, sure. Let's wait. What do we just do? 2005? Yeah, we go back to 93. All right. We're going to do 1993's Fire in the Sky. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> Travis Walton story. D.B. Sweeney? Holy yeah. shit, man. D.B. Sweeney. Fire, Fire in the Sky. In the sky. Fire we in the Sky. I don't think we've done a UFO picture. We're doing, we we dabble with aliens. Yeah. <laughs> so that's wow. what we Fire in the Sky. Yeah. I thought we were going to do the Rocketeer, but all right. That's fine. Nope. Fire in the Sky. You can pick the Rocketeer when it's your turn. <laughs> wow! You ever seen Fire in the Sky, Daryl? Uh, not Fire in the Sky, but I've seen Nicolas Cage's Firebirds. I don't know if they're anyway similar. <laughs> I don't think so. It's yeah, funny because <laughs> Travis, Daryl kind of looks like the real young Travis Walton. Google it. You'll get a oh, really? chuckle. Yeah. <laughs> so Ooh. it's Stephen Merchant and Travis Walton. Yeah. There you go. Fascinating. That's some great news. Now he's going to Google oh, yeah. guy, but this guy better be really fucking good looking, right? Wow. <laughs> well, we want to pay tribute. bloody not. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, we want to pay tribute to uh, Daryl Edge. Daryl Edge yeah, from the Cage fun. Rage podcast. Please follow, connect with the Cage Rage pod. He's doing quality, upstanding work. Even if you're not like a huge Nick Cage fan, it's a fascinating movie podcast. If you like yeah, movies, they cover all kinds of stuff, and he's very clever. You can follow him on Twitter if you would like at cage underscore podcast. That's a good place to start. Uh, Daryl, where else can people find you? Share all the particulars you want people to know as we say goodbye. 
Sure. Well, uh, Twitter, as you said, at cage underscore podcast. I'm on Instagram as well, at cage rage pod. Uh, all the usual places where you get your podcasts. Um, you you know the ones out there. Yeah. Um, your Apples and your Podchasers and your Spotify's. I'll be on there. Um, and outside of that, best place to get me, probably on Twitter, because I'm usually on that when I should be working. But don't tell my employer. <laughs> they'll never know don't worry nobody listens to this show so you're fine <laughs> don't worry well, it's been a pleasure having you Daryl thank you yeah, so much for coming on Thanks, man. Uh, thank really you so much pleasure. Travis you pleasure. did a great job bagging this guest well done smart move I'm glad we got to do this and don't forget to watch Travis on the Cage Rage podcast coming up very soon until then Eric Branstrom Daryl Edge Travis Roy Michael Govier we're off until the following Thursday after Thanksgiving this was the Thursday episode for the coming week so we'll see you on December, whatever day that is. First, I think. Okay. Bye. Bye. I got hit with a paw.